Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Think for a moment and think about the events or the truth or something that has really had an impact on your life. Like there's often like growth over a season or growth in a time, growth by a group of people, maybe by truth, by a teaching, maybe by doing ministry school. But I'm sure for all of us there's something where we can say, listen, that was something that really impacted my life. And I think we all grow sort of on a on hopefully like an a, a upward curve, but then we get these moments where there's like this, this step up. There's like a word of knowledge, or there's a prophecy, or there's a revelation, or there's a teaching that you listen to, or you get involved in something, and you, you just feel like it just takes you that next step. And I mean, I can share a few, and I think I've done, but I want you to, to just think about that, and then obviously that should stir a thankfulness. And maybe you're looking for another one of those. You're looking for another booster. You think, I think about these, um, these TV games where you drive with the little cars and you've got these cartoons and then there's these arrows, like these fast forward arrows. And then if you're racing someone and, and you hit the arrow, then you get this booster. And I think in life we often want to, to, to look and say, God, where are those boosters? Where are those fast forward buttons? We want to just, just, just help us a little bit. And I think that is good to, to wait for it. But I don't think it is wise, necessarily. I think we need to run this race of life like with what we've got. I think we need to run this race of life every day. We can't wait for a good day to get up and make a difference. When is it the right time to do the right thing? All the time. Okay? Not when you feel like it. It's all the time. And I want you to, to just think about that for a bit. And then that's also why we're starting a, a new series called Good News. And it's just good news. And that's what it is. And I know that's what made an impact in my life. It's the good news of Christ. And these days, there's many churches that is uh, preaching this, thank God. But I remember when I uh, heard it for the first time, it wasn't so freely available. It wasn't so mainstream. It was, it was uh, difficult to find grace teachings and uh, nevertheless a grace church. Like, and um, I spoke to someone, I spoke to Jock actually, and we spoke about one of the more famous or infamous uh, rock bands, Afrikaans rock bands in our country. And um, the problem that they had with the status quo, and one of their songs said like, um, moet meer wees as werk en kinders kry. Okay, but they shouted it with anger. If you're under a certain age, you know who I'm talking about. And if you're not, I'm talking about the polisikare. Okay? Um, and, 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 I, and I realized that I had exactly the same issue, but I just had the other way out, which was grace. So I rebelled, if you will, in the good news of Jesus, because I knew there had to be more, and then I found what my heart was looking for. Where in the world out there, there's so many people who have not yet found what they're looking for, because they haven't yet encountered the gospel, or not to the extent that it really impacted them. So when we look at people and we, we think where, let's take it where my life is today and where the Pulisikara are this morning, it's really because I was encountering grace that there's a difference. 
because we had the same issue, we came to the same crossroads, but I had a different avenue, which was the goodness and the love of God. That was presented to me and that changed me forever. So it's easy to be critical of other people, but have we really shared the gospel with those people that we're critical of? Have they really had the opportunity to encounter God, to hear the good news, and to hear that there is more than werk, trouw, and kinderskry in this life? I mean, I work, I got married, and we have kids. But there's more to life. Amen? So, it's, 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 it's that there's good news, and that good news is freedom. That good news is transformational. It is transformative. Romans 6, well, 116 says, The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So if we haven't shared the gospel, how can we expect someone to transform, to change, or to be saved? We have to share the gospel. And when we share the gospel, guess what? Some people won't get it. Some people will get it and will not accept it. But our job is not to convince them. Our job is to share the gospel. To share the good news of Christ. To share about the forgiveness of God. To think about those things. The goodness of who our God is. And I wanted to share with you just another verse from Proverbs. That says, Proverbs 3.3 from the voice translation says, Stay focused. Do not lose sight of mercy and truth. Stay focused, even in our preaching, in our message, in our meditation, in our Bible study. We need to focus on mercy and truth. Engrave them on a pendant and hang it around your neck. Meditate on them so they are written upon your heart. You know, when you encounter someone wherever, at the store, at the garage, at the petrol station, at a student fair, wherever, is the message that's coming from your heart good news? When you tell them about God, are you telling them good news? When you're telling them about God, are you telling them what they need to do? Or are we telling them what God has done? That's a good question, by the way. That's a good filter. Because telling them what they need to do and how they need to change is not the power of God unto salvation. But telling them what Christ has done for them, when they were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly, that has the power of God to get them saved. And guess what? We need some more saved people in this world. Amen? Anyone with me? Like, we can pray for ESCOM, but unless we are going to have some godly men raise up, stand up and, and, and start doing things and start impacting this world, we're going to pray till we blue in our faces. Now I'm getting on dangerous ground, I know. How would revival come? Yes, prayer, but not only prayer. Revival comes when we share the gospel. What is revival? It's the raising of the dead. Amen? We have a lot of zombies walking around because they haven't heard the good news. Now we want to share the gospel with them so that they can get saved. They can become alive. They can become aware of Christ now who has come into them. The Holy Spirit who is now living in them and wants to live through them. And guess what? Then revival comes because now we can disciple them. And now more people can share the gospel with more people. And more people can get revived and saved. And more people can get discipled. And you see how it goes. So how do we change the world? Guess what, Christian? We are the only people on the face of the earth that can change the world. No one else has the power. No legislation will change the world to the degree that we expect or that we want or that we yearn for. Because Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that eternity is in the hearts of men. And then it goes on to say that no one can see the end from the beginning. And then all the Christians said, Amen, incorrectly. 
because that was before the cross, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, before Jesus came. Now Revelation says to us very clearly that now Jesus is the end and the beginning. So in Ecclesiastes, you have this great man, I wanted to say man of God, but we're not sure exactly how and when he was a man of God and when he was just a man. Um, Solomon comes to the end of his life and he's tried everything. Like, he's tried 700 wives. I mean, brave, brave, brave soul, isn't he? Um, he's had all the riches in the world. He's traveled the world. He's, like, seen everything. He's got every bucket list. He's been on every contikitur. He's done everything. He's tasted, like, the golden-plated steaks. Like, he's done that. What is, like, he's done it. And he comes to the end of his life and he says, it's all, it's all nothing. It's all vanity, he says. You know, vanity, we have magazines, Vanity Fair. It's the celebration of emptiness, if you translate it. That's Vanity Fair. So, what is the world busy with? White plastered graves, that's what it is. Make up nicely because you don't want to hide the stench. We have the good news. We don't need to have empty celebrations. We have the fullness of God who wants to dwell and indwell us. We have the goodness of Christ. That is our message. We have the power of God unto salvation. We have what people are looking for. Now, some of them won't take it. Amen? That's the, that's the hard part. Like, that's the, the, that's the bad part for me of Christianity. Is you have the answer. You carry it. You take it to this person. You present the gospel. And they say no. I'm like, really? Are you really going to reject this? It is such good news. That's why not everyone will be in heaven. Because we need to present the gift of righteousness, but they need to receive it. They need to understand that if you believe in your heart, if you confess then with your mouth, what then? You're saved. And I know people who, who, who preach a message and really the message of their life is salvation. Because salvation has such, had such an impact on them. And how do you get saved? Through the gospel. Through the good news of Christ. What He has done. God is no longer holding your sins against you. Wow! That is good news. John the Baptist gets on the scene and he's baptizing people. But he says, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. Because I prepare the way. The way for what? The way for the Son of God. The way for the Lamb of God. And one day he says, Jesus coming towards him, and he says to one of his disciples, maybe it could have been Andrew, who became a disciple of Jesus later, he says, Behold, look at, see, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow. You know, that disciple gets so excited that he leaves John. Why? Because he's found the one that John is pointing to. And for us as Christians, as believers, let's assume that for a moment. If you're not, if you're seeking, welcome. I hope that what I have to share with you this morning um, will impact you greatly because it has impacted me greatly. And he says, he is the one that we've been looking for. Now, all the world is looking for him. 
And you and I are carriers of Him. Now think about it for a moment. What is it that you share with people? Because as Christians, and even yesterday at the conference it was mentioned that it can be very burdensome to be a Christian. It can feel like hard work. And I mean in this church I know we're not about hard work, but we're very missional. So you might think like, yeah, you're just here to send people out. Yeah, we are. (laughs) But we want to send you out whole. We want to send you out healthy. We want to make sure that the marriages, the way, uh, I'll say the weddings, the marriage, we have great weddings. I mean, we have great parties at weddings. Like Grace Life Weddings has been some of the most fun that I've had. Um, We want to make sure that your family is healthy, that you are healthy. We want to make sure that you are whole, that you understand, that you're well equipped. That's why, I mean, we have great, I have many things to do on a Wednesday night. But ministry school is worth it. Amen? Ministry school is worth it because it is going to equip you to become a disciple maker. But we want you to be healthy and whole first. So think about it. If we just speak about good news, what is the message of good news? And it's really about discovering Jesus. Who Jesus is. Jesus that was prophesied, Jesus that came, and who Christ now is. Because it's not all the same. If you go to many churches in this world, you will see Jesus is still hanging on a cross. Jesus is no longer on a cross. If you go to other places, they will have the finger of Thomas in a jar. That is not good news, amen. That is not not what's going to change people. I've heard where people have, um, they they park a brick um, truck full of bricks outside. A church and then they have this meeting and they say okay you can buy a brick we've prayed over the bricks you buy a brick for a thousand rand and then you're going to get a house that sounds like good news doesn't it that's fraud <laughs> that's not even anything else that's that's thievery that's not good news because it's a lie amen the thief comes to kill steal and destroy jesus says i come to give you life life in abundance life in It's full. Life until it overflows. So if we want to know what God is like, where do we find it? We have to look at Christ. Jesus says, I am the express image, the exact representation of who God is. Not the law, not the prophets. That was only dim shadows of a foreshadowing of what was to come. But now Christ is all and in all. Now the the, the hope is now substance. We had a dim view of God, but now we see who God is. Through Christ and His ministry. Back to what is good news. So you share with someone, say you're at a coffee table, you're having good coffee, and uh, you, you strike up a conversation with your waiter. I hope you do that, by the way. <laughs> Read their name. Look them in the eye. Put your phone down. Like, value the person. And say you get to the opportunity to share the gospel. Hey, what do you believe? I mean, that's an unthreatening question. And then hopefully they're going to tell you or ask you. And then, I mean, it's only fair if they give you the opportunity to answer for yourself. So if you first listen, now you have the opportunity hopefully to share. And now they ask you, what, what do you believe? I mean, that's the opportunity of a lifetime. But the Word says we must make the most of every opportunity. The Word says also that be ready with an answer if they ask you for the hope that is in you. Now, guess what? Sometimes we know this situation is maybe going to present an opportunity to share the gospel. Anyone know about those, those meetings you have? Someone invites you for coffee. 
I had a, a colleague, a Muslim colleague, invite me for coffee, and I thought that's going to be the opportunity. I was ready for it. What I wasn't ready for is that he wanted to convert me <laughs> to Islam. But next time I'll be ready. <laughs> but, like, and, but, but then you get the ones that you're not prepared. Like that's the everyday. Before you know it, you're in the spiritual conversation or you're at work and you had a meeting. And like I, had, and I sat in my previous manager's office once with another guy and he got a message that his best friend just committed suicide. So, I mean, the meeting was done. It was like he left and my manager and I awkwardly sat there and there was an opportunity because morality was right there. Like people die, people don't have hope. And I'm glad to say that I made the most of that opportunity and I stepped in and I shared the gospel. But I want to also say that there's many times that I missed the opportunity. And then I look back and like, ah, that was such a good opportunity. Or if I just said that, that would have opened the door. But I want us to be full of good news so that when we speak, that is what comes out. That it's not a work for us to tell people about Christ, but it is just overflowing. Um, there's many examples that I have of where you find something. I did it with Paul this week on Thursday. I don't go to Halswich Despar often, but I went to Halswich Despar to get a water cooler for the church, which will hopefully be here next week. Um, and, uh, and I just went through the spa, and there was nappies. Okay, and all the parents are now listening. If you're not, then it's fine. For 99 rand for a what do you call it even? A bag of nappies. Let's say a bag of nappies. Nanine's eyes are big. That's a good deal. Amen. So what I did is I got home and I realized I know some people who need nappies. So I sent Paul a message. I said, hey, today only, because it's Thursday deal, nappies, 99 rand. What is that? That's good news. Was it the work to share that with Paul? It took some effort, took two messages, but it wasn't it wasn't work. It wasn't burdensome. It's not going to burn me out. Why? Because it's good news. How much more to share the love of Christ? How much more to share the finished work, the good news of Jesus? Now, the problem is, I think we often package it wrong and we say to people, Hey man, you need to change. Hey man, you need Jesus. Hey man, um, your life is not in such a good space. But if you only come to Christ, then things are going to work out better for you. And honestly, why would it if you're in their shoes? Because you haven't shared anything that is life-giving. You haven't shared anything that is going to change them. You just told them that they're incorrect. You told them that they're wrong. You told them that they're bad. You break them down even further. Maybe they're already struggling with depression, and now you're telling them, okay, you're really, you are where you're supposed to be type of. But if you come next to them and say, hey man, I can see you are struggling. Guess what? I used to struggle too. But something happened. Someone told me something, some good news. Do you, what is good news for you? And they'll say, when I get a raise, or when I get a... I'm like, oh, that's awesome, man. But what about eternal good news? What if I tell you that you're missing out on something? But guess what? You don't need to pay for it. You can get free of charge. Now they're listening. Hey, man, I, my life is different now. I've received what I was looking for. I knew there had to be more to life, and I found it. And I'm happy. I used to be depressed. I'm not anymore. You know why? Because I found what I was looking for. What, you know what I was looking for? There was eternity in our hearts. Don't you sometimes wonder what's going to happen in the life you're after? Don't you wonder where you come from or, or how it's going to go when your grand dies? Like, where does she go? What, what is the answer? Hey, man, we all have mistakes. Like, do we make mistakes? I make mistakes. Do you make mistakes? Yes, I make mistakes. How do you deal with those mistakes? Like, where do you take it? How do you feel? Like, who do you say sorry to? 
Guess what? I have the answer because someone came to deal with all of your mistakes. And guess what? He's not coming. He came 2,000 years ago because the word says when we were yet sinners, Jesus came. Christ was dying for the ungodly. So guess what? We were all hopeless without glory, without God in this world. So don't you feel that there's something that you're yearning for? There's something that you're longing for? There's something that you go to bed at night and you feel naked? You feel afraid? You feel incomplete? So you present the problem. But you don't stop there because the solution is the good news. And they will say, yes, probably, nine out of ten times. I say, man, let me tell you how to deal with that. And now you can start anywhere from Genesis 3, John 3.16, Ephesians 2, Colossians 1, wherever the Spirit leads you, Romans 8, says there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what condemned means? Condemned means you feel bad. But condemned also means you're unfit for use. Do you feel sometimes that there's more to life, that you want to accomplish more? The police guard will all say yes. You see? And if they say yes, then I say, hey, for God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Oh yeah, that Jesus. Yeah, yeah but just listen. Jesus came not to condemn you. Not even to change you, but to transform you. Not because you needed to change. No, you needed to become alive. Yeah, but that's not what this one said, and that's not what my Uma said. And I, Let's look at what the Bible says, won't you? Let's go to John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world, that whosoever... Wow! Whosoever... That's not the one with the tuachas. That's not people in ministry school. That's not the duemnis. That's not like that. Whosoever will believe. You see there, there's nothing about doing. Yeah, but I, like, people say I must do good things for God. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. But I want you to be whole. I want you to be healthy. I want you to receive that missing part that you've been longing for. I want you to receive salvation. Guess what? You cannot fix yourself because you're dead. But I have something that is life-giving. I have the answer that you've been looking for, and it's free of charge. It's free for everyone, but not everyone accepts it. That's why the world is in the mess that it's in. And I'm sure they'll have a few questions. But at that time, you're so tuned into the Spirit, you're going to have all the answers, amen? Guess what? God did not come into this world to condemn the world but that the world through Him might be saved. Wow. And there, someone will say, yeah, but what about predestination? What about the will of God? It says, yeah, I know the Old Testament speaks about that God's highs are higher than our ways, and it, it, it is unknown and uncommon. But you know what? In the New Testament, it says clearly that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Isn't that the will of God? Think if you're a father and you have many children. Which child would you not want to have with you for eternity? And then Jesus said, if you who are evil want good things for your children, how much more God? And he said, hey, guess what? It doesn't stop there. Because Christianity, the good news, the gospel is so much more than just the forgiveness of sins. Because yes, Christ died, and guess what? He's no longer dead. 
He's risen. He is alive forevermore. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Why is He seated? Because it's finished work. He's finished the work. Why is He at the right hand? Because it's a place of authority. And then Ephesians 2, 6 says, Guess what? If you're in Christ, where are you? I mean, we overcomplicate it. If you're in Christ, where are you? You are in Christ. You are where Christ is. Where is Christ? At the right hand of the Father, seated. We'll say amen to that. And then Jesus prays in John 17, basically praying at the end of his earthly life and bringing together why he came, and we miss it. He said it in John 3 to Nicodemus, and then John 17, he prays to the Father and says, Father, that they may know how much you love them, just as you have loved me. Again, we can say God loved Jesus, and we all say Amen. But Scripture clearly shows us that in the same way, with the same love, He loves you and me. Why do we struggle with that? Why do we struggle with that? Let me ask you another question. Is that good news? That's good news. (laughs) While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Freely. He poured out His life so that you and I can freely receive. The Word speaks about the weak and beggarly elements that we are called to move away from. Weak means feeble, without power, cannot accomplish what it's set out to do. Elements there means like just basic principles, things that we like. But the word I want to focus on there is beggarly. We've seen a beggar this week. And it touches us, but we also sort of get hardened because there's many, then we just sort of move on. But what is the essence of a beggar? Why do they stand? They stand like this. Why? Because they're looking for something which they do not have. Money, food, water, handout, clothing, whatever. So it's beggarly. That's a posture. It's a position. It's an identity. And the word says we need to move away from the weak and beggarly elements. Because why? We are not beggars. We're not looking for something which we don't have. We are now sons and daughters. So we celebrate what we've got. You know, in John 17, you have the two sons. And we often speak about the son who went away. The sinner, the prodigal, the, the, the younger son. And I mean, it's beautiful and we can preach on that and we have many times. And that's good news. Share the gospel. We shared a, a, um, a video in Albania that was um, basically a modern rendition of the prodigal son. Six people got saved in Albania that night. If you don't think that's amazing, you haven't been to Albania. Six people got saved. Why? It is the gospel which has the power of God unto salvation. But then we get into church, or we get into the family, and I think we struggle not to become like the older brother. Where we are still wanting to work for what is already ours. And we can say it's Israel, and we can... can, But let's just for a moment say, what in me is living like the older brother? Is there maybe a part in me that is still trying to work, to achieve, to one day receive... Am I now living in the party? Or am I looking for the party of heaven? 
And yes, the word says clearly that God wants to welcome us as good and faithful servants. I'm 100% with that. I'm giving my life to, to get that welcome. Amen? But I'm going to have a Joel getting there. Amen? Why? Because the Holy Spirit manifests in joy. I've shared this before. If you're a visitor, maybe you'll hear this the first time. I was 10 years old, and I looked around church, and I asked my dad, Dad, why is no one smiling? 10 years old. And I said, I'm going to have a happy church. I'm going to be part of a happy church. But guess what? I'm not. Because joy is so much more than happiness. Joy is spiritual. Joy is eternal. Joy is contentment. Joy is what God has for us. Because joy is not based on circumstances. So I can stand here and I can tell you, come to Christ and all your problems are going to go away. I can tell you, Put money in the offering and you're going to get a massive bonus. That's fraud. (laughs) That's nothing more than that. We had a joke about the chairs. We said for 500 rand you can put your name on the chair and for 1,000 you can put your surname as well. (laughs) But why would we do that if you already gave enough for us to buy the chairs? Amen. So who's enjoying the chairs by the way? Thank you to all of you for your generosity because it was awesome to, to have that. And um, the, um, the, let's say our landlord already said to me this morning, you're going to need more. I'm like, amen, that's why we bought them, where we can get more. So it's not a once-off deal, we can always get more. But why are we going to get more? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So if we equip you to share the gospel, then guess what? We're going to need to move to bring more people in. But we don't do that to bring more people in. We bring the gospel because it's good news I don't need more nappies than I bought on Thursday amen Paul needed nappies so I told Paul about where to get some nappies there's nothing really in it for me except the joy of sharing the good news now if I, if I was really godly and not rushed and not running all over I would have bought some nappies for him amen so I can, I can be better but I'm not condemning myself because I didn't I still was excited to share with him about this deal. Amen? If you find the best hamburger in town, please tell me. Amen? <laughs> That's good news. Um, and then we're going to have fun together. But, yeah, I just wanted to share with us sort of back to basics, if I will. Um, and, and, and that's really what we're about. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, Paul prays a prayer and he says, that you may know him more, that you may know him personally. And that's part of the good news, that God is no longer somewhere in a corner. No, God is available. He says, you can boldly enter into this grace in where you're already standing. Amen? Philemon 1.6 says that our faith becomes effectual. Who wants some effectual, effective, powerful faith? Like I want, okay? Now, how do we get that? Well, not why we can beggarly elements. Because then we're looking for something which we don't have. But Philemon 1.6 says that our faith becomes effectual when we acknowledge. When we take note of. When we come to the knowledge and we agree with that knowledge. That what? What we have with Christ where? In us. That's good news. If I come to you and I say you just need to do this and give that and do that. And then you're going to get this from God. 
Or if we pray and we just hit the right key and we, we, we you know, you market so many keyboards for long enough, no? Then we're going to have an open heaven. And there's going to be flames of fire and, and like. Then we are looking for something external which we do not have to come. But the word clearly says our faith becomes effectual when we acknowledge the good things we already have. Through our good works. No, through Christ who is now in us. Again, this is such a positional identity truth. Because if we say everything good is, 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 is in Christ. Who's with me? Colossians 2. Let's go there quick. Sorry for the team at the back. I'm really not getting to my notes. Colossians 2 says, where can we start? Let's go to verse 2. Colossians 2 verse 2 says, that their hearts might be comforted. I mean, church is a place to come and get your heart comforted. We know life happens. We know life is tough. We, we're not expecting you to just always be happy. We need some comfort. We go through this life together. Being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. You see, the more we understand, the more we can become sure of what we've got. To the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. So we need to acknowledge that there is a mystery. But now, just before that, in one twenty-seven, it says the mystery is no longer mysterious. The mystery has been revealed. What is the mystery that's been hid for ages and generations? It's now Christ in you. Okay, so where is Christ? In whom? In the believer. Amen? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you become one with God. Colossians, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.16, I believe, says that you are now one spirit with God. So God is a spirit. You have a spirit. Now the two is fused. It's together. Amen? So now we go to verse 3. It says, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, let's start a new university called the Treasures of Wisdom and Knowledge. And we do an e-course and I'm sure we'll make lots of money. We can get people to sign up easily. I'll sign up. But it says it's not somewhere out there. It's not more knowledge that you need to get from the outside. It's not another course, your MBA, whatever, that you need to now have this. Now it is where Christ is, is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Where is Christ again? Okay. So you see, when we discover Jesus, like our nice banner said, we need to discover who Jesus is. I want to say we also need to discover where Jesus is. Now, Jesus is no longer walking in the flesh. Amen? There's some soccer players called Jesus, but that's not him. Amen? <laughs> Jesus is where? He is the Christ. He is the, the, the Spirit of God that now has been revealed. So, Jesus the Christ was the flesh, the man, being in, like, dwelled, baptized by the Holy Spirit, full of God, manifesting who God is, as a spirit in a flesh. So he became as we are so that we could read him. Amen? 
You see that? So that we can understand the language. Because before the Holy Spirit, it was difficult to understand spiritual things. Anyone with me? The Word says it clearly. Jesus said, I can't talk to you now everything I want to because you haven't yet received the Spirit, John 16. So people wanted to know what God is like. And can I say, even the Old Testament prophets and the writers wanted to know what God was like. Because the Word gives us that and it says that they were expecting the perfection or the fullness of the promise. Yet they without us did not receive it. So they had prophecy, which was dim pictures and shadows of what was to come. But now, the mystery is no longer mysterious. The mystery is no longer a mystery. The mystery is now revealed. Which is what? Christ in you. And I love what Bernard said there. Christ in us. We spoke about it two, three weeks ago. Like Ephesians 3, that it is the power of God in us. So I, I know Christ in me is a, is a statement, it's also a church, but it's Christ in us. It's Christ in me, but then Christ in us. Because there's a little bit of Christ in me that you don't maybe see, but there's Christ in you that's going to bring a revelation and wisdom to me again. And that's the beauty of community. And that's why we do this together. In whom are hid all the treasures. How many treasures? All the treasures. I mean, I'm not saying don't study. I've got a degree. I've done a course, extra course. Like, that's fine. The world looks at the outward appearance. And we need to be excellent in what we do. But we can't trust on that. We can't rely on that because we've got more. This week I had the opportunity at work to share on um, professionalism in the workplace. And I was so excited because... I know what I'm going to bring is going to be different to anything they've heard before. Why? Because Christ in me is the treasure of all wisdom and knowledge. So even there we can manifest Christ and say, and, and I mean you can just use scripture and that quote it. Consider others as more important than yourselves and you'll be professional. You'll show up in time, not on time. You'll dress appropriately, you'll probably shower because it's not... That you want to smell so nice, but you want people next to you to not have to smell that you don't smell so nice. You see, the Bible is full of good stuff. Even practically, but it's not practical. It is spiritual. It is the good news of God unto salvation. In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. As who, who, who was first beguiled? Eve. That said, like there's a verse that says, I fear that you beguiled as Eve was beguiled by the snake and moved away from the simplicity that is Christ. How are we beguiled? If we move away from the simplicity of Christ. Now if everything is in Christ, that's the simple gospel. Amen. Now we want to overcomplicate and say, yeah, but I need to, I need to, I need to, I need to add this, I need to do that, I need more. No, 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 no. Everything is in Christ. What you need more is more understanding. Ephesians 1 says, I pray that your eyes be enlightened, that you realize and recognize what you've got. What is discipleship? 
True discipleship then is not telling people what they should become. It is revealing to people who they have become, what they have got, and now how to renew your mind and live that out. And that really is awakening to Christ in you. It is realizing who Christ is inside of you. It is also realizing the full extent of that power of what God has for you. Verse 5, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order. There's joy there. And steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted, built up in Him. Not in your works. In Him. We are rooted in Him. We are built up in Him. And stabilized. Who needs some stabilized faith? I need some stable faith. Amen. We want to, in a world that is full of storms and unstableness and uncertainty, stable faith. And that's really, Christian, what you can stand out as. You're not moved by circumstances. You're stable. Didn't Jesus say, build your house on the rock and when the storm comes? If all the other houses fall flat, then there's space in your house because love is a safe place of shelter. And then it's not a time to say, yeah, I told you so. Sort yourself out. No, then it's a time to open your door and be hospitable and love on people. Amen? Rooted and built up in the faith. As you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world. Now, we can park there and say, okay, what are all these things that we should be aware of? What are all these things that we should be wary of? What are all these things that we should be careful of? And we can make a list of what it means to, um, to, to, to speak about philosophy and deceit and traditions of men and rudiments of the world. And we can put nice slides up with four columns and we can break it out and we can discuss it for a weekend, I'm sure. Or can I give you the alternative? The alternative is right there. The alternative says anything that is not after Christ. So I can either show you all the fake money in the world, or I can just get you acquainted with the right, true source of value, and then you will be able to recognize all the fakes out there. What is, what is easier? What is simpler? What is going to be more joyful? Spending time with Jesus, getting to know Him fully, being acquainted with Christ in you, or looking at, no, 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 we're not about philosophy, or we're not about elements or traditions, or... Forget about those things. It's not important. If you focus on what not to do, you're not focusing on who you've got. Anything that is not Christ is a waste of time. I've never said it like that. I like it. I'm not saying like we're all going to start a monastery and we're going to go be monks and just spend time with Jesus. No, because we are a city on a hill. We are the light and the salt of the earth. We need to be amongst the people. Amen? But in our mindset, in our thinking, in our teaching, in our study of the Word, it needs to be about Christ. Getting to know Him better, getting to know Him more, becoming fully acquainted with who you've already got on the inside of you. You see how many things we think is good news to unbelievers, which is really not that good news. If I'm already struggling and you tell me how desperately I need to change, you're gonna, it's like kicking someone who's already down. I remember we played a rugby match once in Pretoria 
And we should not have played that game. It was torrential rain. It was like we played in a dam. And it became so dangerous that one of the, the players, not the match that I was involved in, one right after, he became unconscious in the bottom of a, uh, a lost gemal. Because the water was so deep that he, he was literally submerged. He, he, I think he was fine, but I mean, he could have drowned on a rugby field that day. And then they had the presence of mind to realize that this game maybe is not so important. We can, we can call it off. The point I want to make is we often face people out there, maybe ourselves, where we are in the mud. We are struggling to keep our head above water. We are, we are trying to get off and there's people on us and we're trying to get to the ball and we're trying to score the goal or score the try or, or whatever. We're trying to get ahead in life. People out there, like anyone knows some people who are trying to get ahead. Fight hard, hustle hard, whatever you want to call it. Like they're trying to, to do it. They're trying to get there. They're trying to get things done. Now what is good news? Good news is not to add some pressure, to add more burden, to say, hey, <laughs> you're not capable, you're incapable, you're not good enough, you need to change. They know, that's why they, they, they want to change. They're desperately looking to change. Maybe for us it is, hey, I've got good news for you. Let's stop this game. Let's end the struggle. The good news is Christ is not expecting you to do anything except receive Him. Why stop trying to fight this game that we can't even play because of the circumstances of life? And let's not play the game if we already won the victory. We start at finish. We're not trying to get through life as trying to reach unto something someday when we, when we die. It's not like Monopoly where you have a get-out-of-jail card and now you just sort of hope you get 200 rand every now and then. You don't need to play the game. Because Christ is the victor. And where is He? In the victorious place. He's got the crown. He's next to the Father. So isn't good news stop trying to get to heaven? Isn't good news not that we're praying a prayer that says, Lord, please, as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. I think good news is, hey man, Christ is already there and He prepared a place for you. And again, that teaching we make up for one day where it is, there's many places, there's many rooms in the temple of God and you and I are some of those rooms that God wants to fill. And now we don't pray as it is in heaven, so please God, please let it be here on earth. No, we are seated in heaven in a place of authority at the right hand of the Father and we reign in life through the abundance of grace and the goodness of Christ Jesus according to Romans 5.17 and we say, as it is in heaven where I am, so let it be on earth. How is it in heaven? Forgiven. Saved. Peaceful. Free. Remember what I said about the oldest son? That we are still struggling and working for something that's already ours. And the father was amazed. He said, I don't know why you... Everything is yours. <laughs> You're at the right hand of the father. 
You are part of the Father's business. You are, you are partaking. It doesn't mean in the, that Hebrew culture even, it's like when you're part of the business, you're a partner in the business. You're a shareholder in the kingdom. You're not trying to buy shares. No, you got shares. When Jesus prepared a place for you. Who thinks Jesus did a good job in preparing a place for you? He did a good job at most things, didn't he? As you've received him, so walk in him. And I'll close with that. Is we, 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 I believe we struggle to present the good news as good news to the unbeliever. But then as Christianity, let's say worldwide through the ages, We've struggled to accept the reality of Christianity that is the good news, that it's already yours. As you've received, so walk. How did you receive? Think of it for a moment. I know, and I've shared it many times. Literally the worst day of my life, where I made the worst decisions, where I was the furthest from God. That's the day God showed up. No, He was there all along. You see, our language is even failing us. That's the day that I encountered the love of God. Tangibly, when I literally was down and out and nothing, I had nothing to give except give over. You see, the Christian life is, is, is not giving your hand to God. Neither is it giving your heart to God. It is giving your life over to a God who can do so much better than you and I can with our lives. The word says even our best efforts need to be on a rubbish dump. And that's where I came to. I said, God, <laughs> I messed up. Like, I'm going downhill very quickly here, Lord. I, I, I don't want to go one step further down the spiral. Lord, I don't have anything to give because, let's be honest, I was drunk at that moment. I said, Lord, I don't have anything. And the song that played was, Ek feil, ek is stikkend, ek gebroke. Maak my heel oor hier. That's good news. Even if you're down and dirty, broken, without God. Isn't the love of God manifested when Christ died for those without God? The ungodly. While we were yet sinners, He already made the payment. Now I just bank the check. I just opened the gift of eternal life. Now that is where we need to celebrate. And that's why I'm saying let's go back to basics of the good news of Christ. Because as I've received Him on that night in Jeffreys Bay, the Word now invites me to walk accordingly every day. What is that? Lord, not me, but You. Lord, not what I can do, but what You've done. Lord, not what I want to do with my life. But what do you have for me? 
consider the path that God has prepared for you because it leads to life. And guess what? When you're walking in light to life, you're going to affect some people around you. Some people are going to smell it. And they're not all going to like it, the word says. Some will see that as the, 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 the fragrance from heaven and for other people it will be a stench of death. Not because you smell like death. No, because they realize their own deadness when in comparison they smell the beauty of Christ on you. I hope no one feels burdened after today. Anyone feel encouraged? Stirred up to share a gospel of life. The good news of salvation, which is, hey, Jesus came, and this is what He's done. You no longer need to puddle in the mud. We can end this game. You know, Jacob had a dream. And Jacob's dream was really prophetic. And he had a dream of a ladder that reached into heaven and he saw the angels of God going up and down that ladder. What did Jacob have a dream of? Christ. Jacob had a dream and that's why Hebrews says that they foresaw what was to come, yet in shadows and dreams. Because Christ now came down from heaven to bring heaven down to earth. To share heaven with us and then to take us back with him into heaven. But you see how the angels went up and down continuously. And we think angels and we see halos and white and gold and, and, and we often miss it because angel is often also could be translated pastor or messenger. So if Christ is the connection, the stairway between heaven and earth, we need to be the messengers that lives on that stairway that goes up to heaven, spends time with our Father and brings that light down to a dark and desperate earth. And when we need to be back with the Father, when we've poured out ourselves and our lives, when we've poured out Christ in us, it's time to go up the mountain, spend time with God. Because the last thing this world needs is burned out Christians. Let that just... Settle in your heart for a moment. Acts 20, 28 says, Take heed to yourself and then to the flock. It's like when you're going on an aeroplane and they say, When or if the air pressure drops, there's going to be a mask falling down. Please, if you have a child with you, put the mask on yourself first. Why? Because otherwise you won't be in a position to help others. So maybe just as we close the service here, close your eyes and just for a moment, firstly acknowledge what you have in Christ. Acknowledge the good things that is yours in Christ Jesus. And guess what? Acknowledge where He is. That heaven is not somewhere up there, but that Christ is in you. He is the hope of glory. And then I want you to, to, to get to that revelation. Get to that renewed understanding of where Christ is. And the word says, then your faith will become effectual. 
that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is yours in Christ Jesus. So the verse I never got to in Colossians says, For in Him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that's again where we can say Amen. All of who God is, 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 is found and seen in Christ. So sort of just, just settle that in your heart quickly. In Him, in Christ, dwells the fullness of who God is. Just acknowledge that. And the second verse <laughs> says, And you are complete in Him. Stop striving. Stop trying to get more of God. Stop even trying to do more for God. Just acknowledge the fullness, the completeness that you have. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Every good thing that is in you, in Christ. He is the head of all principality and power. You are forgiven of all trespasses. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink in respect of holy days and of new moons or Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. The substance has arrived. We have the fullness of what God planned for humanity. If you struggle to be thankful about anything, you can just be thankful that you live after the cross. <laughs> Amen? That's good news, that we live after the cross. We live after the poured out spirit. We don't just live in the forgiveness of sins. We live in the empowering of God. The dunamis of who God is. We can operate in the spirit. We can have words of knowledge, prophecy, all of that. But all of that comes from love. Faith works by love. 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope and love. But the greatest... The eldest, the starting point, is love. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience love. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca.